much thankfulness to me and to my heart that God cared enough about His people to be able to send the sacrifice of His Son uh, to give us a hope that otherwise we would have no hope. And if, you're, if you come from a, of a background similar to mine and all of us in the house of God that's been born again has come from a background apart from God, uh, but when you've been held captive by the claws of the enemy and years of your life was spent wrapped in chains and bondage to whether it be addiction, whether it be lust issues or whatever that it may be that held, that held you captive and, and was catapulting you into areas of brokenness and darkness. When God's marvelous light first shined upon your life and you received that first word of encouragement of hope and of faith, of what a joy that brings to your heart and to your spirit. And those are things that you can never forget as a child of God. The blessing that God has given you to forgive you of, of a life lived apart from Him, to forgive you of actions of your past. He puts them as far as the east is from the west. And He rises you up to a new level, to a new place of security, faith and hope in Himself through the person of Jesus Christ. And as we come into 1 Corinthians chapter 1 this morning, we're going to be focusing on one passage of Scripture, verses 1 through 7. And we're going to be looking at two positions that we have as a child of God. We had a position before we come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as our personal Savior of being lost without Him in our sin. Not being able to know God. Not being able to comprehend the goodness of God, because the things of God, according to the Scripture, is only for those and can be experienced to those who know God, because they are spiritually discerned by God. And by the power of His Holy Spirit, He gives us the ability as a church, as a child of God, as a believer, to be able to come into an understanding and a knowledge of who our Lord and Savior is, who our Father is in heaven, and what His desires are for each and every one of our lives. And Paul's instructing the church in Corinth, and starting in verse 1, and I'm going to read out of the King James this morning, he says, Paul, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God in Suthenius, our brother, unto the church of God which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all that in every place, call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. I want to stop right there for a minute because I want to explain to you that this passage of Scripture wasn't wrote for 3,000 years ago. This was wrote not only for them, but it was wrote for us today. See, the Scripture says, for all of those that call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, that is the Lord of both them and us today. And he says, Grace be unto you, church, this morning, and peace to you. From God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says, he said, I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ, that in everything you are enriched by Him in all utterance and in all knowledge even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
This in verse 7, Paul speaks of a position of the church that we, we're going to find ourselves in one of, two, one of the two of these places in verse 7. One, we're going to be either behind or we're going to be in the place of receiving a gift. And I want to explain a little bit about what that looks like in our life this morning, what I believe that Paul was trying to surface in the heart of the church. See, the word gift comes from a Greek word charisma, which is an endowment of grace which empowers a believer to share God's work with others. It is spirit-empowered service. That is what the gift in, in, the, the, in, the, uh, in the Greek means when you, when you read about the word gift in the New Testament. I want you to think of it as a place of charisma. It's, it's a place of joy. It's a place that empowers you to do works that otherwise you would never be able to perform on your own. It gives you the ability to be able to stand before people at moments of time in order to proclaim God's goodness and the testimony that He has done in and through your life that otherwise you would be crippled in fear at times. See, God's Holy Spirit moves upon His church, moves upon a child of God to fulfill His purposes. And on His time uh, schedule and table, when He brings those opportunities before us, and He says, this is something that is given to the church that is for, not just for your personal uh, experience, but it's for the glory of God. And He says, now, I'm going to pray, basically Paul is saying, that you don't come behind in your gift of being able to encourage. Hey, I want to explain a little bit about this for a minute. The word gift, Ephesians 2.8, he says that for by grace are you saved through faith, that it's not of yourself. It is the gift of God. Singular. The gift of God. See, a lot of times we get in our mind as a, as a Christian, as a new believer, or even as some that's been walking with the Lord for years, we, we read about gifts of the Lord and gifts of the Spirit that bring us deeper levels and abilities of service, but I believe we get sometimes so focused on a particular gift that we miss the giver, which all gifts are found in Jesus Christ. And when we are connected to Him, and we can allow Him to move in and through our life, see, all of those gifts are now poured into one. And it just funnels down from the floodgates of heaven into our life to perform the work which He has uh, desired and He has performed for us desire for us to perform in and through the earth. And that is to be a vessel of praise and joy to bring honor and glory to Jesus Christ. It says, but when we as a church, he's talking to the church, he says, but there's, there, can come, there can come a time upon your life where you find yourself in a place of wanting. He says, now this is what being behind means. In the Greek, it comes from a Greek word, hysterio, which when I look at this, now, I'm not going to peer too deep into this because I haven't researched it that deep. Hysteria, when I first look at some of these words, I the first three letters caught my eye, H-Y-S, and I look at that as being hysteric. 
There's a, there's a place of, of confusion, of, of hysteria that sets in. Hysterio, he says that it means the, the true meaning of it in the concordance, in the strong, says that you are left wanting. That you are unable to meet the need at hand because you're depleted. Naturally, this results when a person misses out on what is vital. In Mark chapter 9, verse 23 to 24, Jesus is, is teaching and he's got, there's this man that comes to him. He's got this son that uh, since birth or as an early child, this evil spirit, the Bible said, had come upon him and, and they had their whole life, they had witnessed this child. He would throw himself in the fire and the scripture said if he wasn't throwing himself in the fire, he'd throw himself in the water and try to drown himself to take his own life. He was out of control. There was nothing but just chaos. And as you read through this story in Mark 9, uh, verse 23 through 24, this man comes to Jesus and he says, oh, Jesus, I ask that you would come help us. He says a plural. He doesn't talk about just for his son. Help us because my child has been like this since a young boy. And, and he says, help us if you can. And right after this, Jesus says, starting at verse 23, Jesus looks at him and he says, what do you mean, if I can? He says, Jesus asked, is anything Anything is possible if a person believes. Jesus. The father cried out instantly, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief, Lord. And Jesus had compassion upon this man. And instantly he comes in and he rebukes the evil spirit out of the boy. And the scripture says Jesus didn't only rebuke the spirit, he told it it could never enter him again. And there was such joy that come upon this man and his family and this child. I couldn't imagine what the rest of his life looked like. I can only compare it to what parts of mine had looked like when the Lord Jesus spoke through his word through an oracle of God the truth into my life and I was able to receive it and the evil spirit the spirit of the world which had tormented me since a child all through my life had, had left me and when Jesus come into my heart he pushed that evil and that wicked spirit out of my life to never enter me again and I have never been the same since the moment that I come to know Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. He removed drug addiction from my life, sexual addictions. He removed all types of, of crazy type of living and lifestyle that was taking me into places of brokenness my whole life where I was found wanting. See, my, the majority of my life as an adult was found in a place unable to meet a need in my life. See, so many people I believe today find themselves in this place of lacking in their behind. And see, there's something that happens when we have this lack in our life. It causes us to go into a place of mania. It causes people... See, lacking in the gift of faith is what causes people to go into a place of total despair. It's absolute uh, depression. It's confusion. This holiday season, there'll be more people take their life in the month of December, and there's more uh, types of financial 
uh, catastrophe that happens around the world in, in the life of the home because people's trying to meet needs that only God can. And when they see, they feel that they can't meet certain needs. See, they find, they feel like they've been lacking in their job. They can't get to a level and place to where that they desire to be. Maybe emotionally, they're captivated because of things that's happened in the past. Maybe there's anger issues. Maybe there's been abuse issues uh, in a child or an adult or both combined and it causes people to come into a place of despair. But it's the lack of hope, Paul's telling them. It's that, it's that being behind. It's that being lacking in the gift of faith in your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that will take you the distance. He says, I want this for you because as you wait for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, it gives you the ability to be able to persevere through life. And there's so many people that fall victim to the lies of the enemy all across the globe that husbands, wives, mothers, and fathers have forfeited ground that the Lord desires them to have because of a lack of the ability to believe in the promise of God. He said, well, what are you asking for me to believe? What does God ask me to believe? It's so simple. It's only one thing. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. You believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and your life shall be changed. It's a promise of God. And you say, well, there's been so many times that I've reached out to the Lord and I haven't received the change that He talks about in His Word. There's a lot of things that can happen in the life of a man or woman that can cause that type of hysteria to set in. And it's another place of hysteria. It's another place of confusion. Uh, spiritually, all types of ideas and things start to come into the mind. But I want to ask you a question this morning. Do you, have you found yourself or do you find yourself right now in a place of, of lacking? Because I want to share with you a story of a, of a young man that found himself in this place in Luke chapter 15. Uh, you find the story of the prodigal son. See, there's something that's so interesting about the prodigal son that uh, I feel relates to so many of us in our lives today, if we will be honest. Because see, the prodigal son was a, was a man that, that he, he grew up in, in a home. Now, see, some of us don't grow up in a home like this man did. But this is symbolic and it represents the kingdom of God. This represents a home that's not of this earth. This, this, this story as, as I read it, and it was, a real, it was a real life event. I take and relate to my heavenly father. He said this, this young man was given a place to live. See, our life according to the scripture is not our own. This home that we call home, the earth was created by God for God, for His glory. We are placed in a home where provisions was made already ahead of time by God for you, His son and His daughter. And he says, but this man... This young, this young man, through a process of time, he got his eyes off from the Father, and he got his eyes off from the provision of God, and he started looking in other directions. 
his, his, his mind started to, to wander and he find himself, he asked his father for all of his inheritance at once. He couldn't wait uh, for the time when he passed away and he was able to get it with his brother. He, he wanted it now and he wanted to go experience life and, and he had all these ideas and things that he wanted to do. And in Luke chapter 15, after he had done went... And the scripture says that he had spent all that he had on riotous living. He's going to the taverns, he's gambling, he's spending it on women. There's all different types of things that, that he's involved in. And he's having a good time and there come a time in his life where he finds himself in Luke 15 verse 14 and the scripture says that when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land. And he said, and he began to want. In the King James, the word want is the same Greek word used for behind. It's the same Greek word as stereo that was used in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. To come behind, to lack something. So see, the scripture Paul relates as a believer our lack when we find ourselves in that place of wanting and spiritually as a direct link to the prodigal son. And he says, when we find ourselves in that place, see, this man had went so far down that he was eating. It says in the Scripture that his mind desired, his heart desired to eat the husk of the corn from the hog slop out of a hog trough because he had nothing. He was starving to death. And, and as he finds himself in this place, something just comes upon his mind. I look at it as symbolic of, of the Holy Spirit. Something come to remembrance. God touched his mind at a specific moment. And from that moment forward, we find in the Scripture, he goes back home. And he is, as he's walking home, he don't even get to the door. His dad is outside with the door open, basically waiting on his son to come back, which means he was in expectation. He wasn't sitting at the table inside with the closed door waiting on him to come knock and beat it down. He's just standing there with an open arm of invitation for his son for however long he was going. I just picture every day and night as he gets some free time, he's out there on the front porch with the door open. Open, looking down the road, any stranger, anyone that come down, is that my son? Is that him? I'm ready to receive him. Jesus. And that's how the Lord views our life. See, when we, when we find ourselves in this place of hysteria, when we find ourselves in this place of want, our joy is gone. Our ability to be able to manifest the goodness of God becomes depleted in our life. According to the Scripture, he says, this is a natural result of a person who's missing out on what is vital. Jesus, see, we put so many things, and we, even as, as a child of God, we could put so many things above the Lord and we find ourselves in these places of dryness because what we put our hope and trust in, which is material things, people, ideas, theologies outside of Jesus Christ, it's destined to fail. At some time, it is going to let you down. And see, all over the world, you've got people that's living in this place. Right now, it's more so than I've ever seen in my lifetime. They don't know why. See, there's, there's natural 
things that happen in life that can drive people to places of brokenness to where people need a help for a period of time. But there's another side of people that were born in a place of lack and want, and it has been something that has taught that says, this is the only thing that there is. And you got people that live on welfare their entire life because their moms and dads have been in the welfare system their entire life. Even though some have the ability to work, they lack the ability and the drive to be able to step out and to succeed in life because when they do, the first little wind that blows knocks them to the ground because they don't have the strength to be able to succeed. See, and as they, it's not that they don't want to succeed. It's not that people want to find themselves in that place. It's not that a bunch of drug addicts all over the world like I once found myself wants to be there. Some do but the majority would rather not be where they're at. But they don't have the stamina, they don't have the ability to be able to stand because so many years of life have compiled into this big ball of just chaos and torment. you got relationship issues. you got financial issues that you can't seem to see your way out of because of years going the wrong direction. You've got all types of things that's coming up. And then there's on top of that, there's more brokenness that just keeps coming. It's one thing after another. The car breaks down. The house breaks down. You don't have the ability to be able to maintain because your life has been spent in a place of want. Even though it may have seen to have things at, at points and period of time. See, Satan never wants you to see the big picture until he pulls the curtain for one final draw and it's the end of the play. And he has you on a stage in life that you are destined to fail and to be broken your entire life. And when he pulls that curtain, he says, now, I'm going to put you on display for the whole world, for the whole community to be able to see the patheticness of your life. And I'm going to put you on display for everybody to be able to peer in and to see how weak and insignificant that you are. And it's not true. It's a lie of the enemy because you see, this was the trick of the enemy on the prodigal son. See, there's three things that we can learn from the story of the prodigal son and when we find ourselves in want that we can relate today. It said, once he had spent all, then come a famine. Hey, there's some people that feel like they have exhausted every resource in their life. They have exhausted every drug program. They have exhausted every court program. They have exhausted every family program, every financial help program, and nothing seems to change. And then they find themselves in a deeper level of catastrophe. Now that's not enough. See, the enemy don't stop there. Because what's the Scripture say, John 10, 10, he says that the thief comes, but to steal, kill, and destroy. He don't stop when the blows have got you down and you're laying bleeding like a wounded soldier on the battlefield, now he's going to bring a famine. It's not enough you don't have the strength to even take your next breath. Now he's going to take you a little deeper. Now he says, now I'm going to cause the whole land around you to dry up. All of your resources are going to dry up. All of the help because of years of reaching out and years of lies and manipulation. Now nobody wants to hand out no more. So now there's a famine all around you. And then the Lord says in the Scripture, He says that there arose a mighty famine in that land. See, 
We get captivated in a place where we feel like because this is where I am now, it's the whole world. See, he didn't say there was a famine in the world. There's a famine where you're standing now, son. There's, there's milk that's flowing and wild honey and there's, and there's jobs. There's all kinds of things. If you can take a few steps off this piece of property that's not yours anyway to step on the God's property. See, so that's where he says the title of this message, Come Out and Come Up. This means to come off the property that you now stand on and come and take a step of faith onto the property of Jesus Christ and allow Him to be able to enrich your life and to be able to pour out His blessings upon you and for you to be able to experience the provision of God. But it's going to take something from you. It's going to take... You may not have the strength right now to even crawl like a wounded soldier, but the Lord says, I don't need you to physically move. I need you to spiritually move because with your mind and with your heart as you reach out to Him you can't even muster a word. You see, at the speed of light, the Scripture says that when we call out to the Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ as the speed of light His Holy Spirit comes into our life and He is the Spirit of truth. He is the Spirit of comfort. He is the Spirit of joy. He is a spirit that, that gives us the ability to be able to take back captive our thoughts from the enemy and, and hone them into what God has. See, you can't do that on your own apart from Jesus Christ. So many people find themselves for so many years of their life. It's like we beat our heads off a brick wall. I can't understand it. I just can't get it. Why is my life like this? Have you ever surrendered your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ? See, in Mark chapter 9, this is what Jesus tells this young man. He says, what do you mean, if I can? See, so many people come to the Lord. Lord, if, if you could do it. So many people at the church come. You know, you ask to pray for somebody that's in that place of they fell behind. They're in a place of lack. They're unable to meet a specific need. And you come, you want to pray on them, and you get this, this attitude or this thought, whatever, man. If he can, maybe he can, maybe he will, maybe he won't. And the Lord says, He says, look, Father, you come to me to pray for your son. Not because of just the need he has. You obviously had a need. See, the father was in chaos. I believe it went so much more than just the son. I believe him and his mother was in such upheaval. Their life had become so miserable because of the situation around. He's bagging out to the Lord basically for a miracle to happen in his own life, maybe even above his son. And the Lord looks at him and he says, I need to deal with something in your heart first. I need you to understand this one truth. He says, what do you mean, if I can? See, He come to Him as Jesus, the Son of the Most High. 
And he comes and he names him by name. He calls him Jesus. And then he comes in in the next breath, Son of God. This means he's the most high. It's the highest name in the world. It's a name of deity. There's only one because there's only one Son of God. He's the creator of the universe. He said, Jesus, now if... See, those two statements can't go together. How can we call Him Jesus and question Him at the same time? He says, I need you to understand who I am, son. I need you to know who you're talking to. You're talking to the Creator of the universe. You think your situation and circumstance is above my control? He says, now, anything is possible. Father, if a person believes... And see, this is what's amazing. The father instantly, the scripture says, he cries out to him, God, I want to believe. Help my unbelief. See, that honesty and transparency took him to another place. This positioned this man to be able to experience a miracle of God. See, last week we talked about Mary. She stored truth down in her heart. She had stored faith, the Bible said. According to the King James, according to the Strong's Concordance, it says that it intensified. When you store something and push it down, it intensified inside of her to the time that it gave birth. See, this is what the Word of Life does in and through our life. It's like a seed. He says, see, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, why does he relate faith to a seed? Because it grows. He didn't relate it to anything else but something that transforms from one form to the next. Our faith is to never stay encapsulated in one single idea or thought. It is to continue to grow. See, so many times we'll have the seed, the gift that God has been bestowed upon us. We come into a place of a salvation experience. And then because our mind starts to wander, see, we start to ignore that seed and, and we start to put all of our attention on other things and worldly things and we find ourselves in a place of hysteria. There is church members that have been church their entire life that during the COVID found herself in the deepest love with despair that they had ever been able to imagine on this side of eternity. People are confused. They're in a place of chaos. When, when all this financial stuff hit and when all the political things started to change in our nation, people come into a place of hysteria. They are going into a place of being maniacs. The church... People of the church were going out the doors of the church and burning things in the street and signs and doing all types of things because they were losing their minds because of a lack of being able to have faith and believe in the Son of the Most High. See, all through God's Word, He maps out from beginning to end and He doesn't say that there's not going to be trials, that there's not going to be problems that's going to come upon the life of the believer in the church because we live in a fallen world. But He gives us the greatest hope. He gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit of God to give us encouragement in our darkest storm that we may be an encouragement to someone else. See, 
We've got it flip-flopped in the church house today. We can't encourage nobody unless we're being encouraged ourselves. Unless it's raining down manna from heaven in my life and I've got it all going on and I'm all that in a bag of chips, I can't encourage nothing. And the Lord says, you've got it flopped, son. It's in that place of despair is when the greatest gift is when the Holy Spirit can move upon our life. And it's in that place where we're able to experience God on levels that the world can't even comprehend because it's spiritual. People say, how can he be going? How can she be going through this situation and still have joy in her heart? Because that's a man or a woman that's not found lacking. That's a man or a woman that's found with open hands and open arms to receive the gift of faith. And this is not a message. Please don't misconstrue the message as a whipping post today for the church. It's not my intention to whip anyone or myself because I find myself in this place at times myself. This is a message of encouragement and hope. Okay? If we find ourselves here, now a question is posed. What are you going to do about it? See, it's okay to find yourself there. Here's what we need to know, church. This is what something that is so, so awesome about our Heavenly Father. See, even with the prodigal uh, son, it was okay that he found himself in a place. What the miracle was, is he was able to be found. See? And when he was able to be found, God was able to then transform. See? You find yourself in the place of lacking. It's okay today. What is not okay is to stay there. It is not okay to stay and to build a life structure around the chaos and hysteria that you may find yourself in today as a message to be able to come up. You say, I don't have the strength. I know you don't have the strength. But I can testify by my own life that God can give you the strength. It is hard to come out of a place of brokenness when your whole life has been enwrapped in it. When, when your whole family is wrapped up in the chaos and you was born into it, now you find yourself as a young adult, your whole life has been a lie. You don't have the financial abilities or the work experience or anything else to be able to succeed in life. And the world tells you, and then He brings a famine all around you. You have a great need spiritually, physically. Then the enemy rains it down even more. He dries up every resource around your, your piece of property. He says, there's no hope for you. The whole world is going to be like this for you, son. Jesus, it is hard to take them first steps to be able to say, God, I give it to you. I surrender my life to you. I have no way to be able to see my way out, God. Help come into my life, see? And we become like this father in Mark 9, 23, when we can admit where we are. Church, when you can be transparent before God, that is the first step that will orchestrate a miracle of God in and through your life. Jesus. But our pride comes in. And we want to say, no, I'm not in that place. No, 
I'm here for a little while, but it gets better. But then it goes back. And then it gets better, and then it goes back. No, no, that's a lie. See, that's a lie from the enemy. It's not like a yo-yo up and down. The life of God is a, God, is a life of consistency. Not that you don't have trials, tribulations, things happen. But the spikes where you're up and down like this of complete catastrophe and chaos will dwindle from your life. And He will bring a peace when the Prince of Peace comes in. He'll give you the ability to walk through court situations. He'll give you the ability to be able to walk through addiction issues. He'll give you the ability to be able to walk through anger issues, hostility, all different things, bitterness issues, whatever that it is where we find ourselves in lack, He is able to meet the need. Jesus and when He comes into our life and that need starts to be met, see, and He begins to authenticate who He is. This is where the miracle of the church comes into play. See, when you position yourself according to your faith to be able to receive, your surroundings start to change. The people you gravitate to starts to change. The people that you call for Council that's in the same broken place you are, their numbers start to be deleted. And you start to bring people. God starts to connect you with other believers that are not in lack. See, at the right time, He's every time it's the right time with God, He will send somebody a messenger of Himself, whether it's in person or in spirit or both, to encourage you, to help you to grow in your faith. See, the places that you frequent for your relaxation, the bar scene starts to dwindle because you don't find the joy in it anymore. They're frequent in the liquor store in order to bring temporary solutions to a spiritual problem starts to dwindle. See, going and getting bags of dope to be able to put in your body or to be able to smoke in a pipe to take your mind off from the hysteria of your life will start to change because God will give you a new desire in your heart. In your, where you find lack, where you don't have the ability to be able to encourage will start to change because you'll start to put a joy inside of your heart. But if you can stay long enough, see, if you can position yourself long enough, so many people, they position themselves for a short period of time. Then they go back to the hog trough. And it's a constant back and forth. Back and forth. At first, you may have that for a period of time. But it is not okay to stay going back and forth. Because at a point in time in your life, you've got to make a decision. You see? And when you make that decision, the Lord says, choose this day who you will serve. Now through a process of time, God will give you the ability to keep going back and forth and back and forth. And He's going to draw the line. He's going to say, you keep calling out my name. You keep speaking my name. And you keep asking for deliverance. I bring the deliverance. I bring you the peace. And then you step off that piece of property. And you walk back onto the property of brokenness where it's famine all around. And you expect things to be different. It's never going to be different. 
it's only going to be a deeper famine. It's only going to be a deeper level of chaos. See, this is why drug addiction compiles. This is why alcoholism, sexual addiction, pornography, gambling addictions. This is why hate, anger, hostility. You know, there's so many people sitting in the penitentiary today that has taken another human life that at one point in time in their life they could look back and tell you that there was never a time a thought had entered their mind but because hate, hostility, anger took control of their life through situations the enemy lied to them. They found themselves in a place of want and brokenness. Then He dried up the land all around them and their resource. And that seed of anger and hostility growed so hard inside of their heart. They then reacted and took somebody's life out of a place of pain. Now they pay their entire life for a decision that was made in a moment, in an instant of time because they emotionally couldn't control themselves because the Holy Spirit was void of their life because they found themselves in a place of want and couldn't come out of it. Why? It may have been because someone wasn't bringing the message. But more times than not, it's because they refused to listen. They refused to heed to the voice of God in their life. There were so many times in my life leading up to the point of my conversion where the Word of Truth was preached and proclaimed over my life, but I rejected it. I wanted to receive it only for my own gain. I walked the aisle 150 times, and that's probably no exaggeration. I've had every evangelist that you can think of pray over top of my life, and there was never Never no change. You know why? Because the reason I was there was because I wanted God to be a genie in a bottle and to beat me out of my circumstance. But I didn't want Him in my life. I never, I never wanted Him for nothing. I didn't want His life. I didn't want Him to change my life. I wanted to go back to the hell I just come out of, but I wanted it to end different. I wanted to go back to the same relationships with women. I wanted to go back to the same dope house. I wanted to go back to the same bars. I wanted to go back to the same anger and hate that I had held in my life for so long because of my past and my childhood. I wanted to hold on to it and worship it. And it was a lie. The enemy lied to me my whole life. Jesus. He's lying to so many people. They're out there in a place of chaos and confusion. They don't know why they're there or how to come out. Church, we're commissioned by God to have the joy. We're commissioned by God to be the answer. We don't come to them and say, well, you're here because of this and that. No, they can't receive that. We come and we share the love of God with them. We proclaim the blessings of God everywhere we go. Why? Because He was so merciful and gracious to us. He gave us a life we don't deserve. God, we got to pray with people. we got to ask God to come intervene in their life. It's not for us to judge what they look like or where they're at. We proclaim God's truth and blessing over them, whether they know the Lord or not, in hopes that there will be in the midst of the blessing, God will open up their mind and their hands to be able to receive. How will they ever come to know Jesus if they can't experience Him through you and me? God, Jesus. Lord, help our church. So much of my life has been spent since I come to know the Lord of living a strict line of the law. 
So many things had to be forged inside of me through a process of time to protect me and to force me to make decisions that has brought me to where I am today. But God's been moving in my life to where He says, I've taken the striving from you. You're not ever going to go back. Now, I need you to walk and experience the blessing of God, to be an oracle of God, to bless my people. Jesus. Quit trying to figure it out. And I find myself in a place of lack, feeling like I have the gift. And he says, it's your attitude. Your attitude shows me that you're in a place of lack. You try to bless people. You try to go in and preach the word. You give messages. Those are all good things. But your heart has become hard. And it's not open to the Spirit of God. A truth. Because you demand such a line. And you demand such a level of obedience. That you yourself has never been able to perform. Now. Can you acknowledge me for who I am, Jesus? Everybody speaks to me. You say my name so much, but do you realize who you're talking to and the grace I have bestowed upon your life? Now pour it out upon others. Jesus, thank you, Lord. Folks, that's where my life was changed. People, strategically at moments of time, come laid their hand upon me spoke things over my life when I was in my deepest, darkest hell. They wouldn't even know or could comprehend the things that I was doing or was involved in. But they didn't need to know because they were sent by God to, to pour out God's Holy Spirit over my life for me to be able to have experiences. And I felt those things. And there come a moment when my mind and my eyes were open and I could receive and all of those efforts were not spent in vain. An enemy wants the church sometimes to think that if you're in that place and sometimes our mind gets focused on the result, say, you may not see immediate results from anything that you do, but it does not matter because it's Him that brings the increase. You don't know the people that you may minister to or speak a kind word to or is able to pray over their life you don't know what God is doing in that moment and through that word and what He will do maybe months, years, days down the road. But because you was there and because you was able to meet the need. See, you weren't in a place of lack. You were able to meet a spiritual need because you yourself was not found wanting. Jesus the power of God can move. But we always have to put an eye to it. We think we got to be able to see it manifesting right before our eyes. Sometimes He may give that glory to God. He may let us be able to experience those things at time. And He has done it time and time again. But sometimes you may not see it right in front of your face. 
We should not be discouraged as a child of God today because of the things and situations and circumstances that we see around us. Because when we are positioned in faith in Jesus Christ, our perspective changes. So that's my prayer this morning for our church. I pray this message touches your heart and you're able to take some word of encouragement from this letter today that Paul encouraged the church so many years ago. And we can examine ourselves where we are this morning. And we can come before the Lord with all humility. That we can receive His peace, His direction, and His comfort to take us the distance, Jesus. That we would have an effect on the world around us. Jesus, that God would be able to use us as a vessel of honor and truth.